Blog Talk Radio. City Development Camp. I've got uh, Kyle McElmurray with me. Kyle, how you doing? Oi, I'm doing well. Hope you're all doing well. Well, well, well. All right. <laughs> I've got <laughs> Michelle or a slap shot goal. Hey, guys. Michelle, how you doing? I am fan-freaking-tastic. Fan. Okay, good. This is uh, Punch and Pie. Right. And then also we've got a <laughs> special guest, uh, Peter Fish, uh, you'll know him from uh, OctopusThrower.com. He's also hanging out with us. Pete, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing today? Hey. Best best day ever, really. <laughs> By the way, uh, JJ, I changed my name on Twitter to Kyle Lint. So you, can... you didn't change your official name, did you? Like No, yeah, my name? last name is now Wim. My last name is now Wim. It's Kyle, and my last name is Wim. I signed my checks that way. You're a trooper. What's your middle name? Uh, Wim. So it's Kyle Wim Wim. That's amazing. That's, that's a really good job. Okay. Here's how this episode's going to go down. We've got uh, three people who are at the development camp that are going to be uh, explaining it to somebody who kind of hasn't been paying attention to the Red Wings since uh, roughly 5 o'clock in the morning on Thursday. Um if we can, we've got already got some questions on Twitter and, and everywhere else, so uh, we're going to try to get to those as well. I don't think we're going to take callers, but if uh, if the mood strikes us, we'll, we'll tell you to call in and, and do that. But uh, let's just uh, let's just get rocking. So, everybody, yeah. what's, uh, what's your take on the camp so far? Go ahead, guys. Go. I think it's been great. Um, it's been a little bit different format-wise than in the past years. Um, this is Blashill's second year running it, and so he's kind of, you know, tweaking it and making some adjustments. But the camp has been great. Um, the quality of players that have been there, both our prospects and a lot of the camp invitees, um, have been really good. A lot of a lot of fun to watch. I think the pace has really stepped up this year as well, too. I think. Uh, Flash has everyone moving at 100 miles an hour right off the bat. I, at the first day, they, they kind of set the pace, and ever since then, it, it, it's just gotten faster out there. Yeah, I uh, one thing that I've been really impressed with, and it has nothing to do with the actual um, development camp itself, uh, unfortunately. It's been uh, the coverage, basically. Uh, it was really nice to see uh, uh, Fox Sports Detroit up there uh, covering and, and interviewing players. Um, I know they did an interview for Dylan Larkin, which you'll probably see on a wingspan later on in the season. Um, I think that's really great. Uh, it's a good thing to have. Um, 
people they want people to be more aware of of the uh, the farm system and the kids that they've got coming up. I'm sure it really has helped uh, you know bringing into you know sort of blue chip prospects into the system with Larkin and Mansa, but. Um, I think, uh, yeah, that was that was one thing that was definitely stand out. It's the coverage, uh, you know, and the Red Wings crew, uh, the video crew. They've done a fantastic job so far with just just video coverage of uh, of everything, um, even the small detail stuff. Uh, and uh, I think that's great. I think it's a good thing for the for the organization and the actual, um, uh, you know, the prospect pipeline that they've got going on. Excellent. Yeah. Now. It- it's uh, earlier in the year than, than it usually is, right? They usually do this later in July, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's about a week early. Well, they, they moved okay. it up to about this time last year. Um, it used to be in mid-July, and then they moved it up because they wanted it to coincide with the Perry Festival to hopefully draw more people in and give them other things to do, you know, after camp was done to hopefully, you know, get get more people interested. I don't know. Is that worse? I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were a lot of people there. At some point. I think so. I think, you know, like Saturday for the scrimmage, it was packed. There were a lot of people there, I thought. Um, obviously, this is my first time, but from what I hear from other people, it's actually a, it's actually a really good turnout, especially for the first time. Um, the only thing is, the only complaint I would have is um, they <laughs> they booked the development camp during Cherry Festival in Fourth of July, so it was like, Traverse City is a complete, you know, you know, it's just shit house 24/7. So that's just kind of, you know, kind of a bummer. But at least it gives, um, it gives like the the kids who, especially like kids um, like uh, Vahatalo, uh the new draftees, and uh, or uh, or uh, Nosek, who who you know they don't they don't really know, you know they don't really know much about North America to come over here and see and experience Fourth of July and what it's like over here, you know, around the year. And to see like the air show and stuff like that, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good decision freedom, yeah. to show these, right? <laughs> yeah, just show them a little bit of the red, fucking white, and blue. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome aboard, motherfucker. Strap in. Have you guys been like out in the cherry festival? To it? No, like, these nerds didn't want to go out, and they, these nerds didn't want to go go hang out. So. Really? They wanted to sit inside and write articles. Let's write you articles. You complaining about the traffic, okay? Let's get real. <laughs> it's so Yeah, when well, it takes me seven it. hours to get You're home, I'm going to complain. Traffic was, uh, has been pretty bad since uh didn't venture down because I was a little concerned that I'd become homicidal and then I wouldn't be able to finish covering camp, and that would be a bummer. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, who is who is at camp and who is not? Now, the rule is basically if you're not 20 or if you're 20 or older, you're allowed to turn down an invite, or, or what is that rule? Do you know? It that rule, I'm not too sure. Athanasiu is there on his own volition. Like, he doesn't have to be there, right? Correct. I think it has to do with, num- like, number of pro games or time spent with pros because it's all the, the Griffins players. Um, could mm-hmm. either opt in or opt out, and most of them aren't there. But um, Athanasiu chose to come. Nastasiak chose to come. Why don't you um, get a choice? Can you him back to juniors next year? Uh, well, um, Nita Mel, 
there were a few guys um, that could have opted out that chose to come, but yeah, most of the Griffins aren't here, which is why there's actually 25 canon like this year, which is I think the most I've ever seen. Um, there's a total of 44 players, and 25 of them are just um, not uh, not drafted. I think the biggest yeah, I'm looking at this list over at the left wing lock, and it's like a bunch of like I don't know who the fuck these guys are. But yeah, there are a lot of camp invites this year. A lot of them. I think the biggest surprise uh, that Michelle and uh, Cal have all talked about is that Martin Firk isn't here. I mean, after such a, a rough season for him, you, you think it'd be a, a good stepping stone for him to to show up here and kind of go through everything again. I kind of said it a couple of times, maybe more than a couple of times. I think it's pretty surprising that Stephen Weiss wasn't there. <laughs> He's not healthy enough yet to play hockey. Yeah, neither was our, know- neither was Marchenko. Yeah. Yeah, he did show up. Uh, do we know why Ferk didn't show up, or did is he I nursing know. something? Brain case? I, I don't know. I didn't, dig, I didn't dig into that. Okay. They haven't said, and like Merrick Tverden, I expected him to be here too, and um, he is not here for an undisclosed reason. <laughs> okay. I, I think first he turned it down, to be honest. I, I don't think he wanted to come. I think he's waiting for training camp. All right, well, I mean, obviously development camp is, is more about learning the Red Wing way than it is, like, learning their drills and, and whatnot. So um, you guys have, have been through at least one development camp. And honestly, if, you know, you got better shit to do on the 4th of July, I'd like them all there. But if I guess if they don't have to be there, I'm not looking at it for, for character reasons just yet. Um, right. It's, you know, actual training camp. It. And it's funny that you think about you mentioned the Red Wing way. Um, when we talked, pretty much every interview I did this this weekend, um, when I asked the players, you know, what is something that you've learned about about you know since you got here, and that's just everything. Everything this training camp has been for them is being an everydayer, and it's just like that is so Mike Babcock. It's just you know showing up every day, practicing. Uh, you know, training, going to the gym, getting on the bike, you know, sweating your ass off or doing something uh, and just doing it every day and becoming a better player, making that step every day. And it's just like, you know, and when I talked to Blash, when we talked to Blash, it was like the same thing. It's just that's pretty much like the focus of this development camp. It's pretty much just be turning these players into every day or um, – and I think that's I think that's a good thing. You know, it's, it 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 trains it teaches these kids that you know you can't be an athlete, a professional athlete, by you know Monday through Friday and then take the weekend off and then just go out with your buddies and act like assholes. You know, you have to do it every day, and you basically have to show up. You have to be professional, and you have to take it seriously. You know, from nutrition all the way up to you know training and. Um, I think they're doing a really good job with that stuff because they're they're keeping up. You know, they're they're. Whenever whenever I would ask any of the players about it, that was the first thing they brought up: being an everydayer. So, I think that's pretty cool. Hey, right yeah, I remember that uh, last year, basically Babcock or maybe it was even two years, uh, called Lidstrom like the everyday. Mm-hmm. Every day, yeah, the exact mm-hmm. same routine. So. And hey, that's uh, I remember talking. Yeah. To look up to. 
I remember I remember Babcock talking about that about Stutterberg and Dastu. Like even days when they had off, like they'd be jumping hurdles, and Babcock would be like, "What the hell are you guys doing?" And be like, "Well, we're getting ready for the game." Like that's being an everydayer, even though it's probably not good for your bad knees and your bad back. You're being an everydayer. So I mean, whatever. Okay, so speaking of guys who are not there and guys who are in, and you already mentioned his name. Uh, Marchenko is there, and he's been apparently just riding the bike the whole time because uh, it's been like less than two weeks since he's had screws taken out of his ankles. Um, he was, ten days, yep. He was on the what ice the hell? helping out the goaltenders. It, it was the first time he's been on the ice uh, since he was injured, and, and you could really tell that, that it was his first time on the ice, but he, he was moving decently, and uh, I, I think it gives promise that he was actually on the ice uh, yesterday morning, or this morning. Okay, I'm not a medical doctor, um, but he hurt his, his <laughs> ankle. And this was on yep. February 26th. I looked that up earlier today. Um, if I'm doing my math right, that was like 18 weeks ago. Um, did his foot get cut yep. off or something? That's That seems like a long time. <laughs> well, they're not, they um, haven't disclosed exactly what happened. When it first happened, it was an undisclosed injury, and then it was he sprained his ankle, and then it was, well, this is a really bad sprain, and then it was, well, he had surgery on his ankle, and then it was he had surgery and he had screws. So they've never really come out and said exactly what it was, but obviously it's a lot more serious than he sprained his ankle. Because yeah, I mean, because how long did it take Eric Carlson to come back from that Achilles thing? That was like 18 weeks, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. I don't know. I'm not going to go back and count the weeks. I don't care. Fuck Eric Carlson. How long can you wonder and find me? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what happened, but when he skated on it today, he looked all right. Um, a lot of times he would kind of wince a little bit, and he did a lot of, like, skating around a little bit and then going over to the trainer, and the trainer, you know, would ask him, how you doing? You okay? And he'd go back out on the ice. So they were checking in with him, and then – after, when the team came on the ice to do their practice, he went off, and then I saw him a little bit later upstairs, headed back um, into the workout room. So he was... Okay. He, you know, well, he was working. Yeah, he, he, yeah. Did, he did a lot of grimacing when he was out uh, working with the goaltenders. Oh, I hope he's ready for camp. I mean, he's could be the right-handed shot that well, we all want. He was supposed to have been the most ready when he went down. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, he's a right-handed shot. From what from what Blashill told us, uh, he's going back to Russia this week um, just to go home and you know do home stuff and hang out and train and uh, he'll be back early August and uh, you know obviously he'll be at training camp and he'll be they expect him to be fully ready to go like but when 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 uh, we asked Blashill about it he said he wants he's going to start heavily training in the fall. Now I don't know if he was just if he meant August or if he meant he's going to actually start training in the fall heavily training in the fall. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that he meant August and you know for training camp. Um, but then again, he did just get these freaking screws and removed from his ankle ten days ago. So I'm a bit perplexed that he's even able to be out there skating, taking shots, and and doing drills against the goalies. So that's that's a good sign, I think. Yeah, definitely right. a good sign. Anytime you have an injured player who's back on the ice, it's a good sign. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, who's a or what specifically has has stood out for you at camp, non-player wise? I mean, I you, heard, you said earlier that it's it's more of a, a high tempo, high paced. Talk about everything being everyday players uh, or an everyday guy. What's uh, I mean, what's going on up there? One of the things that I've noticed, um, the the Toledo Walleye has a new coach this year. And they're kind of shoring up that team. Uh, I believe they cut affiliation ties with Chicago, and they're just going to be affiliated with the Wings now. But they have the new walleye coach up here working with these kids. So there's a a lot more uniformity and consistency. I mean, we've already seen how Blasio and Bangkok are so similar. You know, they they, uh, prepare the guys the same way, and and it helps helps AHL guys make the transition to the NHL. And now they're bringing in the walleye coach to work with these guys, too. So they're kind of all getting on the same page. And I think that's, that's going to be uh, big for the development, you know, to have basically every level of the organization working together, communicating, um, you know, sending the same messages, teaching the same kind of lessons. Uh, so that was something new that I thought was, was pretty cool to do it that way this year. Well, it was my first development camp, so, I mean, I don't know exactly how things have been ran for up previously. Um, I think from what I, from what Blashill spoke of, and Michelle might have already touched on this, but Blashill said he doesn't believe that you need to go to, go to the rink for five, six hours to get something done. He believes that you can go to the rink and you can get shit done um, quickly if you work hard and you keep your tempo up, which completely, like, it's just, it's mind-boggling how much he's like Mike Babcock in, in so many ways. It's like the way he talks, the way he delivers his message, the way he delivers his answers, and, you know, his, his you know, his, his um, just the way he looks at hockey overall. Just, he, he, it's just, you know, he believes in that high tempo. Let's have a 45-minute practice that's super high tempo, and we go through a bunch of drills, and you know we really gas you, as opposed to hey, let's practice for two or three hours, and you know we'll give you you know we'll give you sporadic breaks, and and you know however other coaches do it. Um, that's just what I've noticed that he keeps things high tempo, and I think it's a good thing because when you have these kids coming over from Europe who aren't used to this North American style, they see that, oh, this moves a lot quicker. There's a lot less space to to, to rest. Um, and I think that gives a good that gives a good image of what the actual game in North America is like because there's a lot less space and it moves a lot quicker. I think it's a good th- I think it's a good thing personally, uh, for, for in my opinion. I can't wait until uh free agents refuse to come play for Blackshell. Uh, <laughs> alternate joke. Um, I, I'm waiting for people to say that the Toledo Walleyes new coach is like a mini Blash Hill. I like it's just like a bunch of like nesting dolls like, coming down. Well, one thing Blash Hill did say uh, the new Walleye coach is one of his friends. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Blash Hill seems to be enough guy to get along with. I bet he's got lots of friends. Okay, so player wise. Yeah, Who's standing out? Um, 
I know that, uh, that Michelle has been uh, beaming over Athanasiu. Am I pronouncing Athanasiu? I've heard like it. Athanasiu? Yes. Athi? I do Athanasiu because that's just better for me. I call him Athanasiu. We can just call I him double take because that's what Coach calls him. Sure. All right. Um, Double A, a little better. The most standout players, there's a few of them. There's a, there's a few of them, and in different regards. Um, there was a question earlier asked to me. Um, I can, I'll can i figure out who, who asked it. But first, um, obviously there are eyes on Larkin and Mantha, and, you know, that, that's obvious because they're the two, they're the two big names. Um, I think Larkin really showed – that he has that ability to be a, like an elite skating center. He's got a lot of speed. He skates extremely well. He has and he uh, he controls the puck extremely well. Um, you can tell at times there's some there's some there's some kinks in his game. I think um, he has a little bit of an issue when I was watching him do skating drills with Yuri Fisher. Um, didn't seem like he was all that great with skating backwards. Um, obviously, something that can be taught, not an issue at all. But um, Manta, he looked great. I thought he, uh, you know, obviously he, the kids played a shit ton of hockey this year. He's played more hockey than any kid should, pro- any 19 year old kid should probably have to play in one year. Um, so, you know, I'm sure a little bit of his peak played in there, but from what Blashill said about Manta is that uh, he's taken on a real leadership role with these kids, and that's that's great to see. Um, you know he's he's obviously he's obviously a, an anchor in and going forward, um, but outside of the big names, um, you know obviously the name a lot of eyes were on Thomas Nosek, the unrestricted free agent that was signed out of the Czech League. I thought he was great. You know, obviously there was a little bit of adjusting that needed to be done in order to get to the North American style hockey. But when he got up to speed and he started to understand that there's less room. And you know you have to you have to be attention to detail to these sort of things. He really started to flourish. You know he scored you know he scored a goal in the uh, uh, in the prospect or in in the scrimmage. Right? He scored a goal, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. And uh, you know he he's one of those guys. that's like he's a pretty good skater. He's a, he's a but he, he's an even better puck handler. It seems like he just he knows where the puck is going to go. And he, it's like I don't want to compare him to that soup and, and have people bite my head off about it. But at times when he's moving the puck and handling the puck, he's got it on the string. He's just he's got complete control of it. Now outside of him, I thought one of my favorite players to watch was uh, and and a lot of people wouldn't agree with me on this. I really enjoy watching David Pope play. I think he has a extreme potential to be one of those snipers. He's got a great shot. Obviously, he needs a little work in some in some of his two-way game, probably some of his skating. But he he was quietly a, a lot of fun for me to watch because he's just got a, a, a rocket of a wrist shot to watch. To, to, to watch. And um, that answers one of the questions that someone asked me earlier. Who is, who is somebody who flew under the weight radar? And I think David Pope is one of those players. He's played the BCHL which is kind of like a boys league, but he's moving on to the NCAA now with Omaha, Nebraska. And I think that's going to take his, his development to a new level, and, and that's a great thing to see. So I'm excited to see what he what he looks like 
next year at development camp. So that's that's me. Sorry for ranting. All right. Remember about Larkin is is the kid seventeen right now. He's yeah. probably 170 pounds soaking wet, and, and he was still going to get up against some big guys, and and he wasn't backing down. I mean, he got tossed tossed aside a few times, which is uh, you know, something you'd expect from a, from a kid that small. But he wasn't afraid to get in there. Uh, definitely not, Michelle. Um. One of the guys I've kind of enjoyed watching a lot outside of the big names and obviously uh, as an few is um, Vatalo. Yeah. Vatalo. 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 you said Mahalo. I'm like, what? Mahalo. Don't you know this is Hawaii? Yeah. Vatalo. Okay. Yeah, it's just been kind of interesting because he's, um, you know, another guy that's coming from Europe, and there's obviously an adjustment. Um, and I think all the guys that are coming over from Europe have said in their individual interviews, they've all talked about how everybody figures the pace is faster and it takes adjustment. But when I first watched him, he could be kind of invisible. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just because he was very unsure of trying to figure things out. But it's been kind of fun over the course of the few days. Um, he has some, I, I think, some decent uh, offensive upside. And uh just kind of one of those guys who's kind of fun to watch. The interesting yeah, oh, me He told me when I spoke with him that he's got a couple of years left to finish on track um, and that he's a... Uh, <clears throat> when when the players that went obviously and the same thing goes for Christopher N, the uh, the fourth rounder. And what's funny is that I was kinda of eavesdropping on Ken Holland when he was he, he was there watching the players. He said that um he re- he was he was actually talking about Christopher N a lot and um he said, you know, this kid's great, he needs to get bigger and he said the same about Bahatalo and it's true, they're very lanky players. Um but that the size for them didn't really seem to affect much. Obviously, it's different because it's camp, but um, they just seem to have very good hockey sense, and they just they they're very uh, they're very cerebral um, when it comes to playing the game. And when I spoke with Vatalo, it made sense because he said one of his favorite players, Miku Koivu, who is obviously you know a huge you know he's a Finnish player. He's, he's a national icon in Finland. He's a very cerebral hockey player, and I think, uh, you know, it shows in Bahatala. I mean, he's still very young, obviously. Um, you know, he's got a ways to develop, and, you know, he'll be down. He's in the pipeline. He won't be over in the AHL anytime soon, but um, I think that's good. You know, he, 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 needs to be, he needs to bulk up, but I think he really needs to embrace that cerebral side of his, his game. He's a very smart hockey player, and I like that. I think I like smart hockey players over big group hockey players, I think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think my guy out of, out, of the, out of the big guys is Axel Holmstrom. Um, he's mm-hmm. putting a lot of time around him because of his name and being Holmstrom and, and his number being 96, but not a lot of people are really talking about his game. And the big thing I saw with him during the scrimmage, 
I mean, it's it's day two of him being with the Detroit Red Wings at, at development camp, and he's extremely patient with the puck. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to him and you know about kind of his nerves, and he said, you know, as he was walking out uh, onto the ice, he said, I'm playing my game, that's why I'm here. And so that's exactly what he did. He was very patient with the puck. He let uh, defenders skate by him, and then he either had a chance to shoot it on net or was able to find somebody and, and give them a chance to go on net. So, but uh, other than his name and the hype surrounding him because of that and, and the fact that he's wearing 96, I think his uh, his game is really good. And as a seventh-round pick, he has a few more years to develop over in Sweden. And, I mean, he could be another late-round gem for the Red Wings. Yeah, I'll tell you that uh, I gotta have to play my game. Answer is is really fantastic. It seems a little quiet beyond. No, I mean because a lot of times, especially uh, you'd see me with with right. European players, would want to come over and and instantly be like, okay, tell me whatever I need to do. Um, but this kid, uh, he he obviously recognizes that he got drafted for what he does. Um, yeah, and so smart. the last thing you want to do is, is change that. I, I do have to say, I mean, honestly, not even just the Holmstrom part, but Axel Holmstrom is probably my favorite name of of the draft for a while. Yeah, that it's so metal. It's a good name. <laughs> I, I regret not naming. I regret not naming myself Axel Holmstrom. <laughs> He's obviously, you know, a young kid, um, but he reminds me of like a mini better or you know, he's he, he's two way. He plays well. And, you know, when he has the puck, he's smart with it. And, he, uh, you know, he just seems to get it. You know, and obviously as he gets older, he's got – I think he told me he's got two or three more years in sweet, in, in, on his Swedish contract and that he hopes to play for the uh, the bigger club next season. And I'm sure he will. Um, you know, I think he'll I think he'll come along very well. And, um, you know, we could, we could see him here in the next two or three years. Um, so – I think he's he's another good one, another one that obviously everybody had his eyes on him, just had their eyes on him just because of the number he was wearing and obviously his name. You know, he's wearing 96, you know, but his last name Holmstrom. It's like, okay, everybody's going to be staring at you. But um, uh, I think he showed that he's the, – the where they took him in the draft means pretty much nothing, um, you know. So I think that's that's good. Very good. Okay, uh, are any of the, uh, the invites, are they any of those standing out, any, or are they just filler? Oh. Filler or stellar? Filler. The filler. Like like something that you put in a beef patty. Oh, okay, and, sure. And make, <laughs> make it cheaper. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, um, the, one, the one thing honest, I'll say is... is go ahead, show. go ahead, dear. <laughs> the, the one thing I'll say is that Blasio was talking about the, the invitees and said that you know if they can if they can find one guy in there that they're going to sign to a contract, then then that's that's all they need. And the money on the other guys is well spent because they found that one guy. And I think uh, Kyle Bond could be could be that guy. He's been playing with Larkin and Mantha on the top line for the red team, and yeah. he had a good shot. Great shot. Yeah. Right hander too. How about that? Oh yeah. All right. I never we don't have we what do we have like uh one of those here in Detroit right now? So uh hey, come aboard now. Uh 
What you mean, Luke when we're talking? <laughs> if you're talking about filler, like players who are like, okay, I don't know if they should be here, then the obvious standout for me is uh, is Babcock Jr. He didn't impress me in any way, shape, or form. He didn't impress me in any way, shape, or form. And uh, it's not because, you know, I'm, I just, you know, it's just, he just, he seems to be, I know that he's been there the last year or so. And um, when I look at him, it's just like, you know, this kid's small. And that's okay. And I understand some kids are small, but his legs are super skinny. And, uh, you know, his, his I, he just, he didn't do anything that really impressed me. So I feel like, Maybe that was just one of those people. Other than that, I thought the the the, uh, the invitees, um, John Stone from Michigan Tech, he looked really good. I thought um, uh, Vaughn, he looked really good on that top line with Mantha and Larkin. He's kind of like that meat and potatoes guy who will just go in and make room for the for for Larkin and Mantha. Um, you know, I thought uh, Joe Fickett, He's a he's like. 5'8", and 182 pounds. He's like Adam Almquist. He's a defenseman. You know, he scored a goal for, for in, in, in the scrimmage. Um, you know, obviously he's super small, and that's why he didn't get drafted this year. But he's got – he's like one of those those small packages, but he, you know, he packs an offensive punch. I think I think there were a lot of them that, that – I think they did a really good job at the camp invitees. And – um I know that Blashill said something. Maybe it was someone else, but um, that a, a few of them are going to get invited to the actual uh, uh, prospect tournament. So that that's a good thing to keep in mind that they might be looking to actually snag some of these guys out of free agency. So yeah, Kevin Clare is one of the defensemen too. Um, yep, has looked pretty good, and he went undrafted. He tore his rotator cuff last summer. And then he had kind of a rough year, which has probably had a um, something to do with why he went undrafted. But he's uh, he's six one, two hundred and ten pounds, and he's he's been really good. So yeah, yeah, he was very good. He was a, he was a, he was a good defenseman. I can't remember who he was paired with, um, but he 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 looked good in, in, in during the drills and everything. Obviously. I didn't really see him play much in the scrimmage because I was, my eyes were on other things. But what's the he next was, question you got for us, JJ? What else you got for us, JJ? I was wondering uh, where I mean, obviously they say that Mantha is going to get a shot to compete for a, a spot. Um, how accurate right. do you think that is? I mean, he's, you already Perfect. said he looks like he's grown by leaps and bounds, but how... He's still a kid. Yeah. Personally, um, if you ask me, I think yeah, they're gonna give him a shot. But um if you're if you're truly if it's coming down to to um being a winger in the NHL, I think Thomas Yurko has has the step on him. Just because Thomas Yurko is, is more developed as a hockey player and you know, we, we saw Thomas Yurko in, in, in Detroit this season. He did pretty well for what he was given. Um, and I think obviously he's he's in full deserving rights of the, the the actual shot at making the big club. Now, as far as Manda goes, I think he could make the big club, but he's just he's got some things to work on. He's got to learn to be that everyday type of player who will show up every day and become and do whatever it takes to become a better hockey player. Um, 
He does a lot of good things on the ice, but there's some things in his game that he definitely needs to change. He needs to work on his defensive responsibility, and I think he needs to work on um, his. And I don't want to. I don't want to call it bad or anything, but I find him sometimes just kind of gliding. In the, and uh, I feel like he kind of just wanders at times, waiting for the puck, as opposed to going for the puck and, and making and wanting the puck. So, and that's just me. I think I think sometimes he just kind of waits for the puck, and you know, I, I think he needs to start going for it more. He's got that big frame; he needs to use it. He needs to, eat, he needs to use to his advantage, and that's just that's something I think he should do because he has that he has that sort of sort of build. Well, I did notice that there was a tweet that came out sometime this weekend, and I apologize, I don't remember which, specifically which one of you said it, um, but you mentioned that he took like a two-minute shift uh, during the scrimmage. Was that yeah, yeah. consistent? Like, were all of his shifts too long? No, I don't um, I don't think no. too long. There were a few, but um, I, I think everyone on, on that top line uh, stayed out a little longer than they probably should have. Because here's what I want to believe is that the – that by the time he reaches the big club, and I I don't think it's going to be this year. I just don't think that that's that's too far outside what the Red Wings way says. And, and like Kyle says, it's uh, Yurko's still ahead of him. And let's face it, they're going to bring in another winger, uh, whether it's yeah Alfredson or, or Cleary or whether something uh, weird happens that that brings in somebody else. Yeah. Uh, it's it's probably not going to be Mantha. Um, right. But what I what I want to believe is that by the time he gets there he's really going to be taking only 40-second shifts, and he will have learned that you bust your ass for all of those 40 seconds and then you get off, that you don't... Because I'm worried that he coasts a lot because he's used to taking 90 or 180-second or shifts, and simply right. you should be skating all out for, for that kind of time. Well, I think that that quick, like that, uh, that high-paced atmosphere that Blashill brings... Um, uh, you know, in the AHL, like if obviously he's going to be playing in the, if, you know, if he's on the NHL, he's in the AHL, and if he's in the NHL, obviously Babcock is going to be doing his thing. But um, Blashill is going to, you know, bring he brings that that high tempo practice every day. So I think that's something that he's going to learn. And obviously the the QMJHL, we all know it. That league, it it sucks. You know, it's like it's just a scoring frenzy. There's little to no defense, and you just learn. You kind of get some bad, you know, you get bad like um, habits. And 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 I think that Flashill is in the in the perfect position with the way he runs things to completely change the way he he goes about that. Okay, okay first of all, let let's quash the fact that the Quebec Major Junior League sucks. They won three of the Memorial Cups in the last four years. They won three in a row. One in the W, one is in the W, one in one is in the O, and one one is in the Q. So let's quash that right now. Now, do they like scoring? Do they have a lot of good scores? Maybe they're, maybe some of the defensive teams in the Q aren't very good. Absolutely. But you have those teams in the OHL and you have those teams in WHL that, that their defense isn't very good. Um now, when when Manta was with uh, Valdor, he was more of the offensive guy, and the system he played was the the coach wanted people to get him the puck, so he found an open spot, 
and he kind of glided around that open spot waiting for the puck to get to him. That's something that he's going to have to change. He's going to have to be able to to find a way to just go after the puck, keep the puck on his stick, and either get it to someone else or, or work his way towards the net and get his own scoring chances. Uh, I think he's definitely able to do that, and, and he's shown that a little bit during development camp that he's not only not only wants to do that, not only willing to do that, but he wants to do that. He wants to be that player where he he can do everything, kind of, not not himself, but that he he'd be able to do it himself and 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 work that hard to to do that. So well, let's just quash the rumors that or anything that the the Q is not a good league to compare to the O or the W because it's it's just not true. I think it's true. Yeah, take that. <laughs> Sorry, I think the Q, I think PHL boys league. I mean, if Dave Volan can score fifty seven goals in the OHL. CHL's boys league to me. I just I don't I don't buy it. It's a completely different. It's a completely different animal coming up to the big league. Um, you know, and that, and that's just my personal opinion. I just don't think it's any good. Thing is college, but I'm saying don't don't diss the Q compared to the OHL or the WHL. I think I think they've proved uh, going, it over the last few years that they're a very I'm, good league. I'm, I'm All right, which <laughs> which league did? Uh, Kirk Maltby scored 50 goals in. That was the OHL, right? Yeah. Belleville? Yeah. That's a shit league. <laughs> I don't know if it was Belleville. Don't quote me. No, it was yeah, Owen yeah. Sound. The, the OHL is a shit league. OHL. It really is. They're all shit leagues. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I don't know anything about yeah. this, so I'm going to defer to <laughs> the experts, one of whom says uh, the Q sucks and the other says not true. Uh, Michelle, you're the tiebreaker here. Uh, is the Q a good league? The the Q is probably comparable to the O or the W, but the whole CHL is very, very much a weaker defensive league. I mean, you look at through any of those three leagues, the number of goals that are scored and some of the players that come out of there. Now, there are some good defensemen. You know, you look at Rule and Roulette who are coming out of the CHL, but those aren't In fairness, that's not people. In fairness, so, the CHL is probably a bad defensive league because it's filled with uh, Canadian goalies. <laughs> but um, what he's going to say about Mamba is, you know, if that's the role that his coach wanted him to play, because that league is so different, it's kind of similar just on a different scale to what we saw from Martin Burke, because that's what he was supposed to do, too. He was supposed to get open near the net and shoot the puck. And he has to make that adjustment when he comes, you know, when he came um, to the AHL. Now, it won't be that big of a deal for Mamba. Um, as it has been for Perk, but you see a lot more of that in the PHL because of Perk, and it doesn't Cross work. fingers on that. I, I yeah. think the, the thing with Perk was he was on a line with McKinnon and Druin, and that yeah. definitely helped his stats a lot. Um, and I think that's one of the things the Red Wings are worried about with, with Mantha is, is maybe they'll have, a, have trouble – uh, get into the professional league like Burke did, but I, I don't see it being as difficult for him as it is, as it was for Burke because his linemates just Mantha's linemates were not as good as as Burke's were. And my answer is, uh, fuck it, put him on a line with with Datsuk and Zetterberg, and then I don't care. Yep. <laughs> That's a complaint about his linemates. <laughs> Who gives a uh, shit? So we're gonna get back up to to the development campers. So we're uh, we're realistically looking at a 
few guys who are going to be Griffins next year, a bunch of guys who are going to be going back to their colleges next year, and essentially a few, like a couple that are going to get a glass, a cup of water with with the big club, and then we'll, we'll be back down. So, um, do we know the the status of all these guys? Like, is Athanasiu is he graduating to the Griffins, or is he going to stay down? Yeah, I'm- I'm 99.999% sure he is going to be with the Griffins next year, as he should be. He's ready. Okay. What about um, Tyler Bertuzzi? Is he going to stay with Bell? He, he has to he has to go back to the O. He doesn't have a choice. Yeah, oh, yeah he, he has, has to go back. Okay. Uh, what about right. uh, Nastasia? He, he has to go back to juniors, too. He just turned 19. If it wasn't for his age, though, he should be turning pro this year. He he would be ready to move up to the Griffins, but he can't. Okay, so yeah, it's literally just uh, just a couple people that are that are going Griffins then. Um, um, no, okay. will be in Grand Rapids. Yeah, I don't I don't think Tyler would be ready to to go up to the A either. I think he needs to uh, gain gain some more weight. He, he was struggling against uh, guys like McKee who are, who are bigger. Well, McKee's huge. But he was, he was struggling up against the bigger guys uh, who, have, who have like twenty pounds on them. So, and that that's what he's gonna encounter in the AHL. <laughs> Everybody struggles against McKee's size. Good lord. Yeah, but there there's yeah. times of he was carrying the puck and a guy hit him and McKee didn't move and the guy just bounced right off. It was it was incredible. Right. He's a he's all right. A so, what is boy. McKee's size? He is six four, about two hundred and forty five to two hundred and fifty pounds, depending on who you believe. Jesus Christ. And so he, he's like Yager. And he can he's, skate. He can skate. Yeah, he has actually really good speed. Um in the the skating skills today. He has really good balance. Um not the most um easy for him to be uh like maneuvering in tight areas obviously, but He's actually a really good skater, especially for his size. Um, mm-hmm. In his, he just completed his first year at Western, so he's got uh, got some more time as well. And mm-hmm. we'll see if he goes back to defense or if they uh, keep plugging him in uh, at wing. Yeah, he was playing a little forward at Western, so I think that helped him out a little bit. How's his stamina? I mean, you figure the guy's six four, two fifty. Is that all muscle, or is he a little chunk? I it's, I think it's muscle. To be honest, I you know seen him in the dressing room. I I don't I didn't no. see a no. a beer gut on him at all. It was it was a six pack. No, so, he's, he's definitely he's, yeah. he's a he's a he's a brick house. Yeah. Um. Uh, he was paired with uh, James DeHaas, who uh six three, about two hundred and five pounds, and uh. He's in his first year of college, too. The house is, for me, is a very interesting one to watch. I think he has the potential to possibly be somewhere in the top four, like a top four defenseman. Um, he's pretty big, but he's really top-heavy. Like, he's big in the chest and shoulders, and he really needs to work on his lower body and leg strength. But he's another guy that's a, you know, he's got good size, and he's a really good skater. So that's uh, that was, Fun for me to watch those two on on defense together. Big. Okay, so going forward, we've got more practices and whatnot are going on tomorrow, and then camp wraps up with a, a final scrimmage on Tuesday, right? Yeah. Correct. Right. 
And what's uh, Kyle? You're already uh, you're already back home, right? Yeah, I'm sitting in my stupid bed. How's Butters? In your stupid bed? Yeah, he's sleeping. Yeah, he's sleeping. <laughs> yeah, Peter and I will be at the rest of the rest of the event. Um, we'll be at the practice tomorrow, and then the second scrimmage on Thursday. So. Tuesday. Okay, right on. So everybody listening can, uh, can just unfollow Kyle now because he's not going to provide <laughs> any more. I mean, I suck tweeting us. Unfollow me, I suck. But I am going to be there all five days for training camp. I will be there every day. So we'll remind you to re-follow. Actually, double follow Kyle. Just everybody go create a second Twitter account and follow Kyle with that one, too. Boom. It'll make it feel good. Double up up my goddamn followers. Let's go. Let's strengthen (laughs) the brand, people. And then everybody block them all at once, and we'll spend a week not talking to them. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, you just it's got to be mean to now. <laughs> so when is the prospects tournament again? <laughs> I don't know any of this. The prospects tournament is September 12th through the 16th, so the Friday through Tuesday, and then the following week, the 19th through the 23rd is the Red Wings training camp. Okay. Are we going to win the Prospects Tournament again? Mm-hmm. Yep. First time ever last uh, year? No. There, there might be as long as Tampa Bay is playing. Half the Actually, team might be playing. <laughs> okay, one of you talk, okay. and then the other talk. <laughs> okay, we, don't have, we won't have Larkin because NCAA rules. So ah. that sucks. We won't have DeHaas or we won't have McKee. Um, so that sucks. Um, you know, we won't have any of those players. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, I think we That's still definitely have a good chance. I mean, we, we do have some very good players. Both Patterson and Corolla and Nat. That's a pretty good pairing. Patterson is great. Corot is getting so much. And you know what? Uh, after we talk about this, I want to talk about what I thought about the goalies. So go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. What? Let's talk about the goalies then. Okay. So personally, I thought Patterson, he looked okay. You know, he didn't seem to be 100% on the game that I, I, I've seen him play before. Um, obviously he made some, some, some big saves and that's good, but, um, he, uh, let's see, there was, um, Crow, he still has his, his issues. He's huge. He's like, he moves well in the crease and, um, I think he's coming along very well. He's had a really tough role with, with playing in, in Toledo last season because that team was fiery garbage shit um and that was because of terrible coaching and the terrible Chicago prospects um obviously I think one of the standout goalies for me and everybody might disagree with me was Diagostini I thought he played really well for a guy for his size he held really good positioning and he had really good mechanics he made some really nice saves um and I just I thought he was uh, I thought he was pretty impressive as as a. As what do you a mean for a guy his size? Team. He's like five eight. 
um, okay. maybe 185 five pounds, 5'11", whatever. That's still pretty small for a goalie. And, and yeah, like, and for a goalie in the NHL, they dudes are just getting bigger and bigger nowadays, it seems. So he, he was significantly smaller than all the other goalies that were in camp. And I think he he performed quite well for 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 being just an invitee. So that's my opinion on on, on that as well. Yeah. That was, this is his second year being a camp invitee, so you know the Wings must at least like something about him too in order to invite him back. Right. Yep. Yep. I think I, I kind of agree with your assessment. When I watch him, though, especially when he's out there with Coro, um, he's a lot choppier. Um, and he doesn't always move that smoothly, but he's usually pretty good about kind of um, stopping rebounds, and sometimes it almost looks a little scrambly, but he kind of gets the job done. Right. So the the big thing when I talked to Coro uh, today was uh, last year with, with Toledo and the Griffins, what was his mental game? And what he said was, you know, if they scored early on him, he thought about it the rest of the game. Right. He was always kind of thinking that, and uh, he's been working on that, and he's been working on his positioning a, a lot since the season was over. And I, I think you can really tell. Um, he, he still has some holes in him he needs to, he needs to fill up. And you think with a, a body as big as him, you wouldn't have to worry yeah. too much about that, but... I, I think he has a, a very good potential, and as a guy who's you know six four six five, there's there's so much so much there for him. You can't you can't teach that size. And All a right. lot of his fundamentals right. are really solid too. Like when you watch him move, he is one of the smoothest goalies I've ever watched. When you watch him do skating drills, when you watch him uh, drop down or slide from side to side, he's really smooth, quick, very quick, too, for for a guy his size. So there's a lot of really good fundamentals there. And Mm -hmm. I think um, he's going to – he'll be be starting out in Toledo again this year, but with the changes that that team has made with the new coach, with um, eliminating the Chicago affiliation, I think that team is going to be better, and I think it will be better for him. Um, And he'll be down there um, most likely with Jake Patterson. Um, so he'll have, yeah. you know, somebody else good to work with, not whoever the Chicago Wolves bring in. Uh, yeah, whatever you can do to get away from the Chicago affiliation is, is a good thing. Yeah, dear God. Martin Swiss Cheese wasn't a very good goaltender? Well, but, I mean, Jake Patterson has a really strong mental game, and he gets kind of uh, picked on sometimes about not having a personality, but he's, I mean, he's really mentally solid and being scored on doesn't seem to bother him at all, so maybe that'll be um, be good for Coral to kind of. Uh, well, good because he's playing behind the Red Wings defense, so happen a lot. <laughs> womp womp womp. <laughs> all right, so we got a bunch of Twitter questions we should start getting to. Um, first one from no. LA Red Wing. General question: Do the young guys have a chance at really helping our D? If so, who are the top three? Um, I'm going to shoot at this one. Say. Uh, I don't think that there are any of all the people that have been listed as far as like being close to ready. Um, I'd put basically all of them in front of Lashoff, and I'd, I'd personally like Kindle off the roster, uh, even though I think Kindle is probably better than 
than some of those guys, yeah. and, and maybe even deserves a little bit of more of a chance than what I've I've given him. Um, right. But honestly, with with the way the defense is right now, I would I would absolutely be okay with with giving more of a chance. And I think that not giving more of a chance would be uh, a mistake. So I will say that my top three would be uh, Matty Backman and then uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Sproul and David Roulette. Good picks. I think uh, my here's the thing about Backman. I, Backman, I don't know if he had a good stint but I need to see more from him at the AHL level. So I'm not going to put him in my top three. I'm going to put Marchenko. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the most ready ready ones. Um, next in line is probably going to be Ouellette. And then or, or Ouellette, and then the next would probably be a close Spool. Spool obviously needing some work. Um, but I think Marchenko is the one who is definitely probably the most matured as a defenseman. Um, but I don't know. I just can't put Bachman in my Bachman in my top three yet. I've only seen him play. You know, he's only played what like twelve, thirteen games in the AHL level. Need to see more from him before I can put him up there. Well, I I put him in my top three. Of course you did. What I saw from it, my my top three would be in in no particular order. Maybe um, Marchenko, Bachman, and Roulette. Um With Bachman, what I saw from him, he is so smart about the way he plays that I don't think that's, I mean, that's not something that's going to go away. So so what I, um, what I saw from him would, I would put him in my top three um, and bring him to camp and have those three uh, compete with each other for what should be at least two roster spots and pick the two best ones. Let them go. I mean, how much worse can it be? I like it. Um, I don't honestly. I don't see any of them really making an impact on the Red Wings defense unless someone gets hurt. Just because now with the the signing of Quinty, we have seven, and I don't think the Red Wings are going to drop Lash off down or or trade Kindle or do anything like that. But my, my top three would be Bachman, Sproul, and uh, Marchenko in no particular order. I like I like what I see from all of those guys. Um, even though I didn't really see Bachman play, he had, a, he had a great year in Sweden. And, uh, you know, Babcock thinks he's ready. Holland thinks he's ready. So uh, I'll agree with the, uh, the guys in charge. <laughs> All right. Yes. Uh, the next question. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, I don't know if they will get a chance to make an impact, but they should. Yeah. That's a very... Uh, I don't know, uh, downer <laughs> idea. Can't trust that they're Fuck actually going to do what we want them to do. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The next question from LA Red Wing was something we've already answered, so I'm not going to ask that. Uh, Jeff Hancock says, is Brendan Smith the best or the greatest? Uh, but he didn't put a question mark behind that, so that's not a question that is uh, disqualified. Uh, learn how to write, Jeff. <laughs> I want to see Brendan Smith next to Nicholas Cromwell next year on the top pairing. We all do. Yeah, I sure. They we all want to see him. Yeah, I want to see him just watch the world Do it. I think he should get power play time. Definitely power play time. Absolutely. Uh, Hockey Steve, Hockey Steve fifty four says, uh, "My ass is bleeding, and I'm almost out of Taco Bell napkins. What do I do?" 
Um, my answer there for you, Steve, is you've come this far. Just keep shoving the napkins up there. Uh, go for the record. Believe in your dreams. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull a, a remix of a liar, liar quote, which would be, stop eating Taco Bell, you jackass. <laughs> I recommend I that you take Kyle Quincy's contract and use it in lieu of napkins. Uh, somebody actually did say that. Yes, uh, Herm, Herm said, here, take Quincy's contract. So you and, <laughs> you and Herm are on the same page there. Uh, Ellie oh, Redman has one other question. Um, what trade do you realistically see us, uh, going for a top D, like, uh, Petri, uh, Buffalo, or Yandel? Um, doesn't mention Myers, actually, but, uh, <laughs> is Petri actually a, a top D? No, no. Uh, technically, uh, I want to consider him as a top no. team, but I mean, everybody has a different. Everybody has different definitions of what is top team and what isn't. So, kid, don't yell at me for God's sake. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, if the guy is if the guy is shooting a plus, if he's in the plus for a court before a relative percentage on a team like the Oilers. He might be okay. He might be decently okay, and he's putting up 21 minutes a night, um, you know. And he, he's got he's got a relatively decent zone start, rel- you know, relative to his other teammates. You know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't give up big assets for him, but sure. I mean, I'd give a shot at him. Hey, also he's from the United States of America. Because he might be the one that we can actually get without spending. Uh, uh, Tatar, Nyquist, Yurko, or Mantha, because that's that's the key, the sticking point for everybody is that we we would have to give up right. one of those guys. And I know a lot of people stand on on one side or the other. Like, yes, we'll I'll go ahead and bite the bullet and give up one of those guys for for a guy that can really shore up the top key. But uh, but Petri might be the one guy that we could get without without spending one of those assets. And so that's I mean it's a game. I mean if we can give up, if we can give up, if if you can give up. Jakob Kindle, the second round pick for Jeff Petrie at 26 year old. I mean, he's from Ann Arbor, so yeah, that makes complete sense to me. As, as the, I can see the Red Wings totally making that move. Um, if the price Does is 100 right, things traded for a defenseman they thought that was going to be you know in the top four. I don't know, yeah, man. This first he round played pick. for. He played for he played for St. Mary's and he played for Detroit Little Caesars. So I don't know what you want from me at this point. Uh, I want you to be a, a top pairing right-handed defenseman who will play for like a million dollars. I do shoot right, and I will play for cheap. <laughs> Why can't we just teach you Jonathan Erickson to shoot right? The dude sucks at shooting, so what does it matter? Because he's a good passer. I'll teach you to learn. Severely underrated that he's he's a great outlet passer. Not a great outlet passer. He's a good outlet passer. Let's not blow smoke up the guy. He is an okay outlet passer. His outlet passes do not make me want to kill things. (laughs) Lots of other things make me want to kill things. Uh, John Evans asks, uh, rank the following Lady Gaga songs for best. Nope, never mind. Screw you. That's a dumb question. (laughs) Nope, not doing that. Not tonight. Well, that was it for our Twitter that. questions. Yeah. Let me see what I've got. I might have a couple. 
Go ahead. Yeah, we got uh, none in the chat, although Connor's giving us some good one or some good conversation there. Um, what do we got? Tommy Conti. I'm sorry. Tommy Conti asked me, is Athanasiu going pro next year? Um, if so, do I think he has a shot of making the big club in the next two years? Um, my answer for that is he does have a chance of making pro because I think he's going to, um, saying that he's going to be in the AHL. Um, as far as he's definitely, you know, as far as making the NHL team, um, he would have to really, really accelerate as a, as a prospect in order to um, jumpstart becoming, you know, getting into the team, you know, in the next two years. He's one of those players who, when I asked him, you know, he can play center or wing, and he said he just wants to play. He'll play wherever he want, wherever they want him. Um, do I think he'll be in Detroit in the next two years? Not really. Um, I think maybe three years might be a better ceiling for him. But I think things can change. He's an electrifying player by all means. Um, the way he skates, the way he moves the puck, and you know, obviously the way he can he can um, he can control the puck at his speed. Um, sometimes he kind of skates faster than the puck is moving, but he'll find that, he'll figure that out sooner or later. Um, you know, he, that's something you can't teach. So. Um, two years, no. Three years, maybe. I, th- I think you'll get a shot at, at the big club yeah. in, in half. It, it might be one game. It might be three games, maybe five. You'll get a shot in a year and a half just so the residents can see where he is. But uh-huh. I think two full season, seasons in the AHL, he'll, he'll really have a great chance of making it. Yeah, I think he's going to yeah. be a kid that, that comes up through the ranks quickly. He's very, very skilled. Uh, he's very confident, but he's also, you know, dedicated and does work hard to learn whatever he needs to learn. I think that as he goes through the AHL, he's going to be one of those kids that um, that learns quickly and kind of accelerates. I think that he's right. um, out of training camp in two to three years. He told me that he's he's taken on, or it seems like he's taken on a, a leadership role. Um, he said he's taken on a lot of that, those ideals and, and, and that from, from Nicholas Cronwall. He said that he's really um, connected with Nick as um, from last year's training camp. So that's pretty interesting to see that he looks up to Nicholas Cronwall um, as far as that goes, um, you know, because he's a defenseman and, you know, obviously it's different. But, um, but yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. My next question is from Michael Broman. Uh, he asked, which prospect has exceeded my expectations the most? Um, it's a really tough question for me to answer, to be completely honest. But if I were to pick one, that's uh, the one that really stood out to me most, obviously, um, without any, like, you know, without the high, super high expectations that I, you know, like like Kumantha, Larkin, or um, Nosek had, obviously. Um, I would think that on my top would be McKee. I think he did a really good job. Um, you know, obviously he's built like a brick house. He's huge. Um, obviously he's been playing time as a forward. So during the scrimmage, I saw him pinching in a lot and, and coming around the net, um, which was a bit nerve-wracking to see. I was kind of having like post-traumatic stress disorder over it because of Brendan Smith. But he uh, he definitely showed that he can control the puck because of the size of his the size of his frame. 
Um, but other than the key, I would say Christopher N. did a really, not only the way he played, but um, just the kind of person he was. He was a very polite, um, humble Swedish kid who, uh, you know, told me when he was drafted, he was in the living room, found out on Twitter, basically, with his family. Um, he showed up, you know, he he quietly played very well, and he scored a goal in the scrimmage. And, uh, you know, he might be a lanky kid from Sweden, but he's got he's smart and he knows how to play the game. And I think he can, he can honestly be one of those fourth-round picks that can turn into – you know um, what? What we see with with uh, with Gust- with Gustav Nyquist, or you know, you know, one of those later round. You know, obviously, I don't know how late was, was Gustav a second or third round. I can't remember. Uh, uh, shit, I don't know. Whatever. Okay, but he can be I'm one. Of those, sure he can be round. one of those steal. Yeah, yeah. He could be one of those late round stealer picks at a fourth round. I think. Um, you know. And I really enjoyed watching him play, and I really enjoyed speaking. I agree about McKee, but I would um, – another kid that I thought has done maybe a little better than I expected is actually Zach Nastasiak, um, especially for being, for being so young and having another year of juniors. Um, you know, he's playing on the top line with uh, Nozak and Athanasiu, and watching him in the drills, he kind of shows um, – a, a physical and mental maturity that's beyond uh, typical for, for kids his age. And, um, you know, I said if it wasn't for his age, I thought that he should be turning pro. So he would be a person I would throw on there um, that's just been better, I think, than a lot of people probably expected him to be uh, coming into camp. He has a right-hand shot, too. How about that? <laughs> the, the guy I'll throw on there, and I don't know if you'd consider him a prospect or not, but whatever I do, is, is Nosek. It's a guy that nobody really knew anything about. He's coming over from the Czech League, which is iffy at best, and he more than held his own. I mean, he's 20-21 he's right now. He's He has the body of a man like McKee does. But, I mean, you look at a guy who's – this is really his first experience in North American hockey. He played in the World Juniors in Canada for a few games, and had a taste of it, of, of the smaller rink, but he's gotten more comfortable each day. And he, he's a guy I can see. He probably will not get a shot at the Red Wings this year, but he'll challenge for for, for some playing time in, in training camp and, and during uh, the preseason. I've really enjoyed yeah, hearing I, about uh, how uh, Nedumlil, Nedumlil, how do you pronounce that guy's name? Yeah, Nedumlil, yeah. Menomina has been a uh, translator. Menomina. Yeah, he was. Uh, you know, that's really interesting. He's, he's kind of sticking that on. He said that he he inherited those the that um, that sort of ideal from <laughs> from watching Brendan Smith do it his last year of development camp. How about that? Yeah, B. Smith has been a, a great role model for everybody, including Riley Shan. Yeah. I mean, he was just trying to help Riley, you know. <laughs> no, that's that's really cool though that uh, that he's he's kind of stepped up and, and taken on that role, and also that he's he's had, and it was because he's seen other people do that before him. I, it makes me like I I still don't know like really anything about the kid. Um, 
But it makes me really root for him. Yeah. He's a really nice kid. Um, he's got a big frame. He, he plays a simple simple defensive game, I think. Um, one thing that kind of turned me off about him, and I know that I I shouldn't let this turn me off about him because I know he's just being, you know, a hockey player. But he was when I asked him what he wants to work on most about his game, he said he wants to hit harder. And I was just like, oh, God. And it's just <laughs> like, you know, how about learning to shoot the puck better or learning to protect the puck better or something, learning to sh- get the puck to the forwards better. But, I mean, you know, he's he's been called upon to be that kind of player for a long time, to be that physical player. So yeah. it makes sense to me. I understand. So. The, the one thing I'll add about Nito now is he apparently was injured yesterday or, or early this morning. He did not practice at all today. Right. Blashill said it, uh, it was it's probably a minor injury, but he said he hadn't talked to the trainers yet, so we actually do not know what happened. Well, it's a minor injury until Van Zandt gets hands on him, and it's a major injury. Yep, and he was definitely there. <laughs> uh, I think Niedermel probably would project to be, like, his feeling is probably a number six, number seven guy at the NHL level if he can make it that far. But he, he's gotten better since last year. He's just kind of like that solid uh, defensive defenseman. And he has big size. One of the things he has to be careful about, though, is how he uses it. Because he takes too many penalties. And a lot of it is, you know, he'll go in uh, for, a, for a hit or whatever, and he's not afraid to be physical. But he's going to have to be a little bit more careful, uh, especially because of his size. It's easier for him to get caught or throw other players around. And it's easier for the referees to see because he's six four, two twenty five. He's a big boy. Yeah. yeah. Personally, I think unless he he starts um, developing into a different player, I don't see him in in the picture for the organization anytime soon. Um, but I mean, things can change quickly. Um, it takes one season for a player to take a different role and for an organization to take a completely different stance on him. So. You know, I, I, at this point, I don't see him in the future. But, like I said, things can change. Well, I'll see you just come by every year and translate for the checks. With whatever. Yep, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's... When Yuri Hoodler comes back. Yeah, there we go. I'm listening to that I would rather hear a guy say that he wants to work on. Uh, hitting harder is... Not the highest, but not, I guess it could be more. She'd be like, I want to, I'm looking at head on more. Um, I really want to fight better. <laughs> um. <laughs> thing is, is like, if you're hitting, if your focus is hitting, that means your focus is not having the fuck, and I don't like that. <laughs> I completely agree. Uh, have you, any of you read the, uh, post from Tyler Nello over at MC 79 Hockey? I have not. It basically talks about the concept of the, the def, def, yeah, I think so, uh, the defensive defenseman. And essentially what I think happens is that they get called a defensive defenseman or they're nasty in front of their net or any of those other things. Um, you notice them back there a lot because they're back there a lot because they don't move the puck out of their own zone. Um, and it sucks because like, I, I understand the need for snarl and whatnot, and, and I understand the need to, to have a guy who will clear the front of the net Um Honestly, Kyle Quincy is actually pretty good at that. It's just when it comes down to it, you need a guy who moves the puck up ice more than you need that 
that's gnarl. I mean, nobody is is afraid of, of NHL defensemen. People skating on Zdeno Chara all the goddamn time. And if you're in your own right mind, uh, you wouldn't go anywhere near that freaking behemoth. So, right. I like big, scary defensemen, um, but they're even scarier when they move the puck. So I, I, I definitely agree with that. So if you get a chance, uh, go give that a read. Yeah, I'll read it tonight, actually, because I, I, I agree with that. Defensemen are meant to move the puck out of their own zone into the hands of the forward to get the puck into the neutral zone, to move it into their to the, op- the opposing zone, to, you know, score a goal, because in order to win game, you have to score more goals. Eh? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> I, by that logic, you want six Brendan Smiths who don't pay any attention to the defensive zone and only go forward. Fucking A right, Peter. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I hear a lot of talk about, you know, getting nervous when, when defensemen pinch. Um, do not... I, I hate that that concept. I think that's thinking completely backwards. I like the the concept of pinching defensemen, and it's the goddamn forwards' jobs uh, to make sure that they're covering for those pinching defensemen. Uh, pinch the oh, ball, play, yeah. play three centers on every line and two offensive defensemen on every line, and um, just expect your five million dollar goalie to to cover those mistakes that they're going to make. Fuck it. But, but you sure, I believe it. The pinches. You can't just go down when the when the guy who with the forwards closer to the puck and he's going to have an outlap pass and you're going to have a three-on-one. So you have to be smart as well. That that system of letting defensemen pitch more, pitch in more, and having forwards come back and cover is used a lot in Grand Rapids. Flash Hill runs that. You'll see defensemen pinching in or even carrying the puck in, and it's, it's like a seamless transition. As soon as they do that, there will be a forward. It can be a center. It can be a winger. It doesn't matter. There's a forward that's watching, and they'll come back and cover. Mm-hmm. I wish we saw that more with the wings. but And it's a little bit of a disconnect I see on the wings right now. But in Grand Rapids, all those guys work so well together that they just they it, it looks like they do it without thinking anything about it. They just do it. Um, well, I think one of the things that's wings is they haven't been as, as good on transition as they had been. So they do a lot more dump and chase, and it's really it's a lot harder to get a, a defenseman in on an effective pinch when you've had to recover uh, the puck in the the offensive in the corner of the offensive zone uh, rather than getting a, a defenseman pinching in uh, after you've skated it to that corner and the the defense collapses in the rush. Uh, I think that they just need to work on right. moving the puck from their own zone up, and the pinching defenseman yeah. should probably clear itself up. At least I hope it does. Yeah, I think uh I think I think it's good to have uh those offense I think offensive defensemen are uh it's, it's what's now. It's it's what's big. Um you know, you see teams winning who have puck moving defensemen and uh I think you know, when was the last time we had that? Uh oh hey, Nicholas Strum. Um uh, obviously Nicholas Strom is a completely different breed of his own because not only was he an elite offensive defenseman, but he was an elite defensive defenseman. Um, so it's just it's a completely different breed of his own. But um, I think it's something that they need to embrace more, and that's why I'm so um, keen to Ryan Sproul. Okay, he makes stupid shit, you know, like little dumb mistakes on, in, in his own zone, but 
he's just got the offensive instincts of an elite defenseman off or forward at times, and he's got that shot. It's just like, man, that shit is lethal to have at the point coming in. So it's like, you know, it, I, that's why I'm, I'm, I, I've kind of thrown myself on that Ryan Sproul wagon lately. I agree with that. Um, I have I have right. a couple of Twitter questions. Okay, whatever. Um, John uh, mentioned he said I, he hadn't heard anything about uh, Tyler Bertuzzi much, oh, and yeah. uh, I haven't I haven't written or said a whole lot about him. Um, he he's been just fine, like not phenomenal. Um, I've seen really good yeah. flashes from him, but I think he's kind yeah. of in the same boat as Manta is. Is he's played a lot of hockey. Um, yeah, he's kind of blended in. It's still, uh, it's still there. So I don't think we're seeing his best yet, but I have seen some, some very good, uh, flashes from him that, that I like. Um, yeah, he's definitely gotten bigger and that's good to see. He's getting, he's, he's getting bigger as a player and, uh, you know, as a guy who was drafted so small, obviously we like the map, so. Um, that's enough for me as, as 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 a guy with his ceiling. So so far so good. Thumbs up uh, uh, from me. Um, the, the one thing about Bertuzzi that I'll say is in the Memorial Cup he took a knee to his thigh knee area, and I asked him about it on day one. And he said it's still sore, so that might be affecting how he's playing right now in development camp. He yeah. looks a lot better at the Memorial Cup, but then again, you're also playing against uh, a lot of junior players where now he's going up against a, a bigger defensemen and uh, older defensemen and, and stronger guys. So uh, I, th- I think so, the injury he suffered is still causing him some pain. I, I saw him grimace a few times when he got when he gets knocked down. So I, I think once that clears up, he'll, he'll be uh, much better off. Those junior defensemen who don't fuck, right? <laughs> um, and Nick asked me about. Um, I I wrote the post and I got a chance to interview um, Athanasiu. And when I went over to talk to him, uh, I asked him about he he does things after practice where he'll go out and uh, he'll play goalie and have other people you know try and get the puck past him and stuff. Just in his skater gear and I went up to ask him about it because last year I, I posted a video um, and I tweeted it out thought it was really cool and I went up to ask him about it uh, in the dressing room and he actually asked me if that was me he's like hey you're the one that posted that video right and then blah 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 he's like yeah I can see him one of his cool buddies. brag <laughs> humble brag humble brag it was, it was, it was really cool and I, I bring it up because Nick did ask me about it, but it was—I was really surprised that he knew who I was. He was a really cool, cool guy to sit down and talk to, and just you know have have conversation with. So that was that was Good. pretty cool. So be careful what you say because that's good. <laughs> give him, give him, uh, no, give him a couple of years in the NHL. Give him a couple of years in the NHL, and he won't be a cool guy to talk to anymore. Oh. <laughs> Hey, Drew Miller's still a great guy to talk to. Beautiful he's a beauty. He's a real beauty. <laughs> I, have I, a, got, I have, do you have any other questions? I have one other uh, one. 
I want to get you guys' input on um, from Twitter. Asked what the who the top defensemen at the um, at the camp that you thought oh, were. And he did oh, that's a tough one. one. Gary Fisher. That dude, seriously, Fisher, he could play like today. The way he still skates, he can still do it. I swear to God, he could still play. Uh, he, I don't know if his heart would be able to handle it, so he probably cannot play, actually. Derp, 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 we know. <laughs> I'm just saying, he still skates like an NHL player. Um, as far as it, as far as the defensemen go, um, stand-up. Uh, obviously, I think McKee was a big standout for me. He seems to be maturing very well. Um, geez, geez, oh, Pete. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that that pairing of DeHaas and um, McKee, um, that was a good pairing, I think. You know, they're two big guys. It's like blue-collar style defense in. Um, I thought they looked really good. Um, you know, they skate. They both skate well for their size, and I really enjoyed watching them. I thought more than off, you know, more often than not, when the, when they were on the ice, good things were happening, and uh, that was good too. Um, an honorable mention would be uh, uh, was it Claire? Was he a defenseman? That uh, he was a yeah. he was an invitee. I thought he had a really. I thought he had a really good camp as well. He was an invitee. Um, and they might look at him as a as as a person as a player who might come to the actual tournament. So I think those were all, all right. those were some ones that that really stood up. Well, those right. those were probably the guys that I would have picked too. So good job, Kyle. Uh, 
is that I throw Kyle Quincy, Brian Lashoff, and Jakob Kindle in dumpster and set it on fire. Wow. Ooh, that is brutal. Uh, training camp. We might have some Red, Red Wings officials listening to this podcast. <laughs> Michelle. They have, way to ruin the they brand. Have long since, they have long since hung up. They're like, what the hell are they still talking about? <laughs> what the hell did you just say? All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for coming. <laughs> You're welcome. The, uh, the rude lady just told me that's 60 seconds left, so uh, I'm going to start playing the, the, the extra. Thank you very much for joining Wing me, Kyle, Michelle, You're and welcome. Peter. Right, Wing it. Good night. Wing it. Wing it. Wing it. Wing it.